Uh, hi everyone, welcome back to Better Than Bad. Um, I'm your host Jess. I hope everyone is doing well and that you all enjoyed the last little update episode. If you missed that, then you may not know that there's been a slight change of schedule. Um, we were originally supposed to be talking about Tom Cruise today, but unfortunately my guest for that is unavailable at the moment. So we've had to switch it up a bit and discuss someone else instead, but the Tom Cruise episode will happen at some point. We're just going to have to be patient. Um, but today's still really exciting because I am joined by a very special guest. I'm joined by Billy. Hello, Billy. Hello. I just put myself on mute briefly to save you the siren sound. <laughs> Thank you so much. Like, she doesn't have to edit. I can edit for her. <laughs> Billy is um, a very considerate guest. <laughs> yeah, until, you know. This is why I'm really sorry. I don't know why right now they've decided to just go on a frenzy. It's just every vehicle imaginable. Bus, motorbike, taxi, you name it, it it's, it's the, down there. It adds to the, you know, the vibes. We're in the streets of Manhattan talking, <laughs> walking and talking. Well, I mean, one of the films we're talking about has, you know, New York at the heart True. of it as well. So True. the vibes are there. Yeah. Um, I guess I got to start off by asking who we're talking about. Do you want to tell the people? We are talking about Adam Driver. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Um, is there any particular reason why you wanted to discuss Mr. Adam Driver? Yes, this was continuing the marriage story agenda that I have, <laughs> that I carry with me daily. Um, this is all hopefully in the hopes that the Academy will turn around and recognise their mistake and <laughs> reward Adam Driver the way that they should have rewarded him. So for those who don't know, uh, Adam Driver is an American actor. Um, he's probably best known for his role as Kylo Ren in the Star Wars franchise. Um, he has two Oscar nominations, one for his role in Marriage Story and one for his role in Black Klansman. Um, one of the fun facts I found out on his Wikipedia page when I was researching Ooh. him was that um, he was in the US Marines. Yes. Uh, and I did he not was. know this. He, he served was. for two years and then he was... Uh, medically discharged apparently just before his unit was supposed to go to Iraq um, and then he later went on to found Arts in the Armed Forces which is a non-profit oh. to help to give arts programming to um, active duty service members veterans etc um, and as a as a child of a military man that was quite interesting for me <laughs> oh wow I had no idea about yeah about the non-profit and about your background either I went on to his IMDb and I found out what his highest and lowest rated films are. And his highest rated film with 7.9 stars is Marriage Story. Um, yes. And his lowest rated one with 5.4 stars, which isn't actually that yeah, long rating in the grand too, scheme of things, is The Dead Don't Die. We're going to start off by discussing The Dead Don't Die. Um, so just some facts for the, for the listeners. Uh, the mm -hmm. Dead Don't Die, as I said, has 5.4 stars on IMDb. Um, it was released in 2019. It's written and directed by, and I'm going to butcher this name, Jim Jarmusch. Jarmusch? Yeah. We're going to go with that. Um, it stars Adam Driver, obviously. It's got Bill Murray, Chloe Sevigny, Tilda Swinton, every other actor in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> is dotted it's the original, the original Oppenheimer. It's the original Oppenheimer and Barbie, like... This was the blueprint. 
Exactly. It's kind of like a horror satire zombie comedy. I think that's probably the best way to describe it in a nutshell. True. Um, So had you seen this before this podcast? I had seen it. I had. Did it come out in 2019? Yeah, according to IMDb it did. Yeah, so this is like the prelude to... Because I feel like it... Oh, maybe it didn't actually. Maybe it came out at the end of 2019. They went to Cannes, I think. But I saw it at a press screening sometime in 2019 um and then forgot everything about it until, <laughs> until today when i rewatched it so i guess the first question is do you like this film see i'm not a hater like i remember coming out and i remember everyone was like oh my gosh that was so disappointing and i was like it was fine like it's not my film like i don't that's not my genre mm. that i would usually enjoy but like the performances were enjoyable enough that I was like I could get behind this mm. I had a good time I wouldn't watch <laughs> it again as I evidently have not for the last <laughs> what is it like three years now but yeah. um yeah I don't know kind of like a mid oh no I hate it no sorry not mid not mid because everybody <laughs> hates when critics say mid um yeah like a middle of the road film of his yeah because what I, about you I'm a I've I've been known to enjoy like a like a horror comedy kind of vibe, um, but this just kind of like yeah, I just I was just like okay, that's how I felt watching it. I was like okay, this is that, this is here. That happened, and yeah. there was a lot to it where I was just like wait what? <laughs> like, when did you first see? It? Is this the first time you watched it, or have it, you seen it? First before? time I've seen it. Um, um, was but yeah, I, I I watched it and I was just like yeah okay. And yeah, there was just there was just a lot going on. Mm. <laughs> there was there was a lot of different moments, and obviously there's loads of cameos and stuff of like pretty well known actors, yeah, that sort of appear throughout in very small bit parts. And you're you know <laughs> when when Iggy Pop appeared as a zombie, I was like, <laughs> okay, like, Is that Iggy Pop, just like <laughs> being a zombie who loves coffee. So like, okay. <laughs> I think with films like this, you kind of just got to roll with it. I was like, you just have to accept what you're getting into and be like, okay. And like, there's very meta moments. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about those, and I was like, oh right, we're doing this, and then kind of not doing this for the whole film until we get to the end, and then we'll do Mm. that again. Yeah, they went sort of full, full fledged meta. I was just like, I remember one of the first scenes where I was like, why do I know this song? Oh, because it's the theme song. I was like, oh, oh, we're doing that. Okay. Okay. Because when he first said it, I was like, the theme song? Oh, and then it took me a moment. I was like, I was like, what's he talking about? Because I just wasn't in the right frame of mind. It's for not like 20 seconds since you heard the song and you're like, oh, what does that? I was like the theme song I was like oh yeah because it's the okay okay (laughs) oh it is yeah I mean the whole thing I just feel like I think it is one of those things if you're watching it at home like it's really easy to drift in and out of Mm. because it's just one of those this is was my synopsis of it if someone was like oh what's it about I'm like it's love actually but for zombies because you have like (laughs) you have like these five different storylines going on It's love actually without the brilliant scene with Emma Thompson. <laughs> it's love actually without like most of what <laughs> makes the film the film, but like it 
it's it's broken down into like five different narratives yeah no that is true the random because all I could think about once I finished watching this film was Tilda Swinton as being a Scottish funeral director, samurai katana wielding Buddhist. And I was just like, I was like, okay. And then, okay, I'm about to spoil the end of the movie. We're only 12 minutes into this podcast. And I'm spoiling it off the bat. Do what, but- it's your podcast. Do what you want. She gets beamed up by an alien spaceship at the end. That was the bit of the film. We're skipping straight to the end for this, but that was the bit of the film I was watching that I went, ah, okay. Because there's no, there's no reason for that at all. She's a bit kooky the whole way through the film and she talks a bit weird, like she refers to everyone as Mr. whatever their name is. Mm. And then at the end, she just stands in the middle of this cemetery and this alien spaceship appears and sends her up. I was like, uh, <laughs> it's like okay. I was mm. kind of here for it because it's like, um, she was like, you know what? The only people left alive now are police. I don't care. <laughs> she said ACAB and she left the planet. <laughs> As she should. I'm going to let you die. And I dip. Thank you. (laughs) Peace and love. It was just so random. We have to stand. stand. I mean, we have no choice but to stand Tilda Swinton anyway. She has, you know, good for her. (laughs) But my God. No, it's the way that, like, I just imagine her, like, rocking up to set being like, you want me to do an accent? Like, what should I do? Because she's, like, by herself for most of the film. Mm. If you don't count the dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, I like the weird. idea of her not being Scottish at all in the script. And they're just rocking up and going, fancy doing an accent today. <laughs> <laughs> and can she I, could. Can I try an accent? Because I feel that should she arrive on sentence and she wants to do something, she should be allowed to do it. Yeah. And that's why. But all I could think about to, to, to jump from another actor was Elvis. <laughs> Seeing Austin Butler was really jarring for me. I was like, wait. Austin Butler, before his Elvis accent, took over his life. Yes, Austin Butler, yeah. Bef- bef- B.E., before Elvis. B.B.L., <laughs> before Battle <Yeah. laughs> No, but I was, I, I remember, because I, I watched The Carrie Diaries when um, that was out, and that was the first oh, time yeah. I heard him, in or I saw him in anything. And then I went back the other day to find a clip, and I was like, has he always sounded like that? And he kind of has. Mm. always had that voice and I was like oh okay because now everyone's like making fun of him right because they're like oh he can't stop being Elvis and I'm like I think he just sounds like that (laughs) I think he's upped it a little bit but it's like I don't really care (laughs) but the one method acting I'm okay with is do you know what there's that's the thing like I hate I hate method acting but I at the same time I don't really care if it's not affecting anyone else Mm -hmm. his Elvis accent really isn't causing any damage (laughs) let Austin live let Austin live but yeah that was funny because I sort of saw him and this you know you, I think I think the first time I ever saw Austin Butler in something he was probably on something on the Disney channel yeah he like, was in Hannah was Montana in, right it would have been Hannah Montana that I saw him in then and um but yeah seeing him in this was just funny because to think that he's obviously just done Elvis and then he's got Dune oh yeah two. his career is like completely changed skyrocketing so it's um it's kind of funny really to to see that and then obviously he was you know with selena gomez in yeah this in his scenes 
which again was quite funny seeing her do that. Um, Because I think at the time, this might have been one of her first, not one of her first, but like one of her first big breakaways from that sort of teen um, type Yeah, and then she did a Woody Allen film with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, Woody Allen. Everyone makes their mistakes, you know. You can't. Everybody makes a mistake. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, I will forgive you um, for for doing that. But do you know who's not done a Woody Allen film? Adam Driver. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us on to as, as far as I'm aware, I don't I don't even know that that's true. I don't think he has. Nah, he's not. He's not a problematic king. He minds his business. He knows. He knows who he, he should be working with. He does mind his business. He does. And what did you think about him in this film in particular? he was just like the audience just a bit confused (laughs) but like on purpose because he was obviously maybe one of the only people because they say at the end don't they they start talking about the script I feel like he was one of the only people with the whole script Mm. I feel like that must have been a technique by uh Jim Mm. to, to have everyone like living in different films and I feel like he was obviously the only one who knew what they were all making the whole time and I feel like it really showed yeah, I mean, he, he, it was quite cool seeing him do that sort of very dry comedy, like very, like, he's yes. very matter-of-fact the whole way through it. One of my favourite scenes, I have to admit, was when they first see the, the dead bodies in the diner, and then he comes out of the diner and he goes, <laughs> I'm thinking it's zombies. And <laughs> yeah, just like, because that would be your first response, wouldn't it? You've just seen someone who looks like they've been mauled by a bear, and you're like, zombies. It's got to be zombies. Exactly. He's the only one switched on this whole time. He's the only one that knows what's going on. And everyone's like, zombies? What? And he was right. I know. No, but he's actually... So this is also quite funny. I have crossed paths with Adam Driver in the flesh three times in my life. What? Yeah. So once when I was working at um, The View in Leicester Square... Uh, he came for the Logan Lucky premiere and him and Channing Tatum walked literally like not 20 centimeters in front of me because I was like downstairs and I my job was to like just st- like stand there and so I got to see all the actors come in and then the second time I saw him was in Venice for the Marriage Story um, press junket thing and then um, the last time was when I came to New York in 2019 and he was on um, Seth Meyers and we had tickets for it and he was one of the guests. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he, this is the thing is like, I feel like people, because um, I feel like he gets a lot of commentary on his like interviews and things because he's quite like quiet mm. and quite like introverted. And I think that's really like, funny seeing him on screen because he does like do these like introverted performances but he I I don't know it's like one of those things where it doesn't it people kind of expect him to be like really loud and like outgoing and he's not really like that in like interviews and things so I've always I've always like wondered about that part of his career if he's not like he seems like one of those people who's not really into like the press side of it and just like wants Mm. to make the movies and work with interesting people well, that was one of the reasons I found it really interesting when I read that he had originally been in the military. Yeah. Because, it, like, this is a very gen- big generalisation, but usually the these two types of careers don't really go hand in hand. Um, yeah. So it's, it, I found it really interesting. Apparently he'd auditioned for Juilliard prior to being 
in the military. And then when he was discharged from the military, he then auditioned again and actually got in. Um, drama schools do be loving that life experience. Um, so <laughs> they said, oh, trauma to exploit? Yes. Uh, we yes. <laughs> yes. Trauma. Um, oh, dear. And I think that he just like really, or when I see him with Colette, like the people that he chooses to work with, like Noah Bornback and um, even Jim Jarmusch as a like auteur in himself, he mm-hmm. picks like, and, and Disney is like a completely different box to, to play in. So I'm really interested in like his process of picking projects and why he decides mm-hmm. to do something or doesn't. Because he's definitely getting offers that like we don't see him in. And like in this film with Dead Don't Die, he's like very... Uh, again very sort of he's quite um real like realism sort of leans really heavily into that I feel like it's just like he's talking there's yeah um, and that's why it's so funny he believes that with like all seriousness everything he's saying and he's like oh he believes this and nobody else believes him but it's funny to us because we're like oh we're in on it and everyone's not listening to you and he really does believe that it's the zombies and I thought he had a really good dynamic with um Bill Murray well. Yeah, that's such a good like duo. Let's have more. Yeah, Someone that ending that was was quite funny with them sat in the the car. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Murray being like, "How how did you know? Oh, I I I got the full script. script. I just read the script. Brilliant. Uh, again, I was like, oh, meta. Here we go. <laughs> we're, we're back in the in the meta moments. Yeah, it took like a whole film to get back to it, but it happened. Except but I then, guess they did do like the Star Wars key ring and stuff. So it was just for me, it was just, yeah, like you said, middle of the road film. It wasn't bad. It wasn't amazing either. It was just kind of there. And I think that there are other films that have done the kind of horror satire, not necessarily the zombie thing, but the horror satire. I think there's other films that have done that slightly better, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I mean, I'm so like not the target audience for horror I spent most of this film like looking through my fingers because I was like I can't see any more organs coming out of anyone <laughs> please it is quite um like yeah bloods and guts everywhere it is and I don't I can't do it I I don't know why like you'd think that by now having seen enough films but every time it's, it's like the one way to get me to not look at your film is to start doing that I just don't have the tolerance yeah. for it. It freaks me out. Well, that's the thing, because, like, and it does reach a point where you sort of see it and you go, okay, I've, I've, I've seen enough now. Like, in the first attack scene, where the zombies, the coffee zombies went in and they started coffee killing zombies. the two people. <laughs> coffee zombies. <laughs> we have genres. We have they genres have <laughs> This was, they, they loved coffee. There was the tennis zombie, the... Yeah. Um, the the sweet zombies the little kids that turned into zombies and they loved sweets mm-hmm. they, they, we've got them all but when the coffee zombies were killing those people <laughs> they was like there was a point where I was like oh, okay and then it just kept going now I used to watch The Walking Dead for um a lot of my I... teenage years so I'm quite used to seeing that like zombie gore because mm. they show it a lot in that show. But there was, I don't know whether it was because I was eaten at the time of watching this film. Oh, uh, yeah, I you did. made a mistake. Yeah, you made a mistake. <laughs> don't don't eat while watching this film. I was there eating some KFC. <laughs> oh, things. no, no, no. And then no. they start, like, eating these people. And I was like, mm, don't really want to eat this chicken burger now. 
<laughs> that was a rookie, rookie error there on your part. <laughs> I thought all the, the actors did really well with what they were given. Obviously, a lot of them didn't really have a lot because it's the type of film it was. It's sort of like those cameo moments. It's love, actually. It is love, actually. I think it did a good job at showing that kind of like, um, that kind of middle America vibe, you know, the, oh, the yeah. sort of farmland kind of stuck in their ways small town mm. um vibes because i guess you can kind of sit there and be like well how would these people handle this situation mm. um other than adam driver they all seem to have i thought well, to be fair actually at points i thought these people are handling this very well like they just <laughs> found out that the dead are rising um <laughs> and they're like okay oh, get your guns Let's go. I feel like it was meant to be a commentary on Trump's America at the time. Mm. I feel like it was made uh, because of that. I feel like either I read it somewhere or someone was talking about it, but it was like a different way of, because it was like that wave of films where it was like stuff like that was coming out. It was taking a lot of like modern day issues and then putting it into this sort of very wacky scenario. Um, Mm which I'm not mad about. If this is the thing is like a lot of the people were like, there was a guy with the MAGA hat or um, like be the racist guy. And, yeah. um, and then the like student kid people were like bullies. And mm. then, so it was like a very much like a, these people deserve what happened to them. <laughs> and then like, obviously yeah. there's the police and it's like, and then the That's only person fine. who who survived was the yeah the hermit guy. Yeah, living, as he should. Living off I the love land. Bob. I want that movie because he set the tone when he called um, after Bill Murray and just went, fuck you. And I was like, ah, <laughs> we hate police here. I like it. Okay, I can live in this. It did make me laugh when they were like, hermit Bob. I was like, you're really calling this man a hermit to his face. Like, yeah, because he was like, oh yeah, we went to school together. And I was like, so, okay, sure. The disrespect. But he was a funny character and he would just appear at random points to give like little pockets of wisdom. Including yeah. his little his little monologue at the end. Being like, he had you know, so much to say. He had so, so much to say. By him. I wanted more Bob. More Bob. The Bob don't die. I wonder how Bob's doing now. That's the sequel we need. <laughs> we need to know what Bob's doing now. Because Bob started, like, it just kind of community. ended. The zombies yeah. were still there, but everyone else was dead except for Bob. So what happens to Bob? Because Until this winter and he got beamed up. Exactly. Does she come back and get him? Like uh, that Bob could doesn't want to do that. Nah, he loves to live off she, the land. She comes back to check on him. She's like, You good, Bob? Yeah. You cool. good? Need me to need me to cut off any um, zombie heads? One question I really have to ask, though, and so much that I made a note of it because I was like, I need to know the answer to this. Those kids who were in their like costumes who came to the sweet shop, mm. why one? Why were they alone? And two, how did they get there? Because it's in the middle of nowhere, and I was very concerned for their safety. <laughs> that was what I was thinking about for about five minutes after I saw them. It's like, why is she just... She's, she's a horse. He's a pirate. Great. Ha- happy for them. Um, but where are you going and how are you getting home? 
Because at first I thought it was like Halloween because they were like, look, like that's what I thought. And then I was like, no, then they came back the next day. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, hmm, sure. Interesting. And it is in the middle of nowhere to the point where the where Selena Gomez and Austin Butler had to drive. So if yeah. Selena Gomez and Austin Butler, who are grown adults at this point, have to drive there, then how are these little little children with little legs getting <laughs> That's what I was concerned about. I was sat looking for hours. <laughs> There's no adults. They're like it's one of those exactly what you're saying, like Middle America roads where you can drive for ages and you're not getting anywhere. Where are they got I don't like this is so irrelevant to the rest of what we spoke about, but it was like the one concern on my mind was like, who's coming to pick them up? Like are they <laughs> do they have a phone? Can they can they get home? Um so yeah, were there any other like standout scenes that you thought about the makeup that tilda swinton did on those on that couple were they a couple i don't know that was yeah the golfing couple (laughs) they they died in some golfing accident apparently (laughs) she's making them look all like um yeah 80s (laughs) like pure 80s vibes but like very eccentric (laughs) i was like the way she had like the reference pics and really like thinking about it. I like that she had the reference picture, but they had completely different colours on their face. That was just something I noticed that made me laugh. The <laughs> picture had like this bright pink blush and she'd put green on them. So and I'm then... gonna do my thing, actually. Now <laughs> she's there like talking to these dead bodies that like, you look amazing. That's another sequel, her story was Her story. We've got we've got two parts to this. The we've got story. part two and three. Jim come through uh so the next film that we are going to discuss is marriage story (gasps) and when i say we will be discussing i mean i will be listening to billy for this the next hour i'm joking (laughs) um try and contain myself so uh for the, again some facts for the listeners um marriage story has 7.9 stars on imdb I argue it should have higher. Um, it, should have <laughs> it was released in 2019 as well. It's written and directed by Noah Baumbach. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Is it Baumbach? I don't know. Baumbach? Free for oh. all on that one. <laughs> Noah. Um, <laughs> it's just Noah. It's to us. just Noah. Um, it stars Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson, Laura Dern, amongst a handful of others. Many others. Um... Laura Dern and a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her role in this film and Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson were also nominated for their performances. So, And Adam Driver won in my heart. In your heart. <laughs> in my belief. The first question is, because obviously you've seen this film, <laughs> um, when, when did you first watch it? Uh, the first time I saw it was at Venice Film Festival in 2019. I mean, what a, a way to watch way a to film. See it. I really I it was like one of the main reasons I wanted to go I'd only been writing about film for a year and I was like I really just I need to go and see Marriage Story and this is the extent that I went to see it was I went to a different country (laughs) (laughs) Um, and actually I had a moment because I think it was like the second day that we arrived it was playing and um there were there's like two or three main screens that they do the morning showings in and I queued up and then sat down in the wrong cinema 
<gasps> and uh, I went outside and I was like, I don't think that this is it because I heard someone else, like it, the other film was um, Ad Astra, the Brad Pitt film. Oh, yeah. And I heard someone talking about it and I was like, this no this is not that film so I went outside and like grabbed someone I was like what film is playing right now and she's like Ad Astra and I was like right that's it and it was I was with um my husband and then the two of us like ran out and ran around the front and it was like starting time for the film so we arrived like five minutes before it started and luckily there were still seats oh my god <laughs> so, like sweating in like 30 degree heat I was like the only reason I'm here is to see marriage story and then I didn't even go because once I came out of it, I was like, I can't see anything else today. Like that was nothing. It's not fair to any other film. This was perfection. <laughs> well, that, that, that answers my second question of, did you like this film? <laughs> I don't believe that there's a more like perfect film, except for maybe 20th century women and maybe mm. little women in terms all... of like all angles. It is just like hitting a 10 out of 10. They all, all of those films give me similar vibes as well, actually. They're all kind yeah. of like, they give me a similar kind of vibe. Um, I have I have a confession to make. Is this the first time you watched it? It's the first time I've ever seen this film. <gasps> oh my gosh, what a treat. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. I need this to hear everything. First, this was the first time. It has been on my list for so long, literally since <gasps> it came out. Because obviously you were on the marriage story agenda um mm -hmm. and you were telling everyone about it and basically whenever i whenever i'm like anyone got any film recommendations billy would always either say 20th century women or marriage story <laughs> those are the two that she would offer me um <laughs> no and it has it has been on my list for ages but it's just for some reason i've just never got round to it um yeah. and then this gave me the perfect opportunity to actually get around to it and actually watch it um, oh my gosh i'm really excited I to hear what you thought can confirm that i absolutely loved it it's amazing oh. <laughs> isn't it just incredible it's such a beautiful film uh-huh i was about to say little film and i don't even think you could call it little it's no. like there's so much to it but it's just it's so well done and it's it's actually uh what the i've seen because Noah did Francis Ha, didn't he? Am I or am I making Yeah. That? Um, have you seen Mistress America as yes. well? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, so he did those two. So and I've seen... Things, not just those films. Yeah, I think I, I've seen um, other works by him. So it, it wasn't necessarily my first um, kind of Noah film. But mm -hmm. um, though, yeah, it was just so well done i was like watching the i have a thing about pacing i don't know why i'm an absolute oh my gosh. yeah sucker for pacing like i because i can i can kind of tell as an audience member when the pacing's off because essentially the audience gets bored i think is yeah. the, the the crux of it and yeah. despite the fact because this is quite a long film yeah and the large majority of it is just pure dialogue. In fact, it all is. It's not yeah. one of those long films that has big epic um, sequences. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the pacing is so good, because I just was not bored at any point. There was no point where I was like, I need to look at my phone. I need to yeah. um, check Twitter. There was none of that. It was like, I'm in it from start to finish for the whole, you know, it's over two hours long. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of films nowadays kind of get that pacing wrong sometimes. 
yeah it feels like a poem like I mm. even listening to it yesterday I was like oh my god it's the scene um when Adam Driver's in the room with um his two lawyers the the bad one the bad guys mm-hmm. um and that whole scene is so orchestrated and it feels and you can hear like the rhythm when they speak it is I am actually as much as I'm appalled for Adam Driver I'm appalled that this didn't win original screenplay because mm. I just don't know how, what what more could he have given you that I don't I don't get it I'm so confused I was adamant that it was gonna win I can't remember what won instead but I was so shocked it's true what you say it's like the poem thing it's like it almost reminiscent of like Shakespeare and that there's that yeah. rhythm to it was there any is there a, well we're just gonna get started because I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you want to discuss <laughs> I've got a list a so list. let's go what is oh, like a I standout moment for me it's always like when I come out of it the first thing I wanted everyone to see was the argument scene mm. because that was like the first I was just, but I can't even tell you, I don't think I've ever seen like a better set of performances than the two of them in that film. And I remember just like, I didn't even feel it coming on. I just started crying so aggressively (laughs) in like the middle of Venice. (laughs) Like my eyes just completely streaming. And I was like, this is I can't remember if I had cried up until that point because I think I was just so in awe of like what was going on on screen. But by that point, I was like, because it's the first, this is the thing that is so great about the film is like both of them are living in two different films for most of the film because they're mm-hmm. not listening to each other. They're consistently talking over each other and not paying attention to each other. And it's like the first time they decide to listen to each other, they're saying the most horrible, aggressive, violent things to each other. And yeah. it's like, I that whole like scene is just a masterpiece from the movement to the it's the way it's directed to the way it's shot Uh, that was like I was sat there and I was like how I will never make anything as good as this and so I may as well just quit (laughs) writing it's like I'm never gonna write anything a fraction of this greatness and uh, yeah that was just like for me like and then I was so annoyed because it came out on Netflix in December that year Mm. and or like a few months later and everyone was taking it out of context and being like have you seen worst acting and I'm like "Ah, please watch the film people (laughs) tend to do that I think with with a lot of films now with the whole streaming thing they'll take you know little snippets and they'll be like oh gosh look at them going over the top and you know all I all I kind of knew from I knew the the argument scene or I'd seen clips of it because like you said it it made its way onto twitter it was like the first thing that was put on that it was like the same day i was like how are you how do people do i don't even know how you get that thing out of netflix into twitter and that's like that's the stupid thing about social media is it takes everything and then it turns it into a meme because the whole thing of him punching the wall got turned into a meme and then when i actually watched the scene i was like oh wow in terms of the context of this whole film this is like a it was like a, a pot boiling over you know they've been trying to be as civil as possible while being quite nasty to each other the whole film and then you get to this point where yeah. they're like we need to talk and it just blows up and so it I found it quite 
funny that people had been like, oh, here he is screaming in her face, going all red, pointing at her. But then as well, it's like, when people say, oh, have you ever seen any worse acting? I mean, for me personally, I've never been in an argument like that because I haven't needed to be. But I've seen people get into arguments like that. I've seen that level of, like, anger just come out of people because they they've let it settle for too long and then it eventually sort of explodes yeah. so divorce is contentious like mm, I just I'm, don't I mean that's the thing mm. this is about a very difficult situation for all parties involved it's not there isn't a single person I thought it was you know um a good choice because is this did, is this about a real life thing? Did Noah? It's loosely, loosely, loosely based on his own divorce. Mm. Because there's that whole thing of him being like, I had to write two plays or just, or had to direct two plays just to, um, just to like make this divorce happen or to be able to pay for it. And Noah Bornback wrote Madagascar 3 so he could pay for his divorce. Oh, hilarious. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. That was like the whole like thing that came out of it was like, Oh, so what you're telling me is Madagascar's three paycheck was to, yeah, to get his divorce. Oh wow, <laughs> uh-huh. um, and it was so expensive. And that that uh, the person that Laura Dern plays is a real um, attorney. I don't think it's one that either him or his wife had, but like it's one that a lot of um, people in um, Hollywood use. Um, she she's like I can't remember her actual name, but I'll send you like there was like a an interview with her after the film being like oh how much of that is you and how much isn't it was really funny (laughs) oh interesting because I thought it was a really good thing that neither of the like I know that there were talks that you know the the suggestion that Adam Driver's character had had an affair and all of those things but that wasn't the reason why they were getting divorced there was like Mm. because I think sometimes if you place a villain it would be really easy in this to have one of them be the villain um, I thought it was a really smart thing that you're watching this film and you kind of go, I'm not on either of your sides because you're both just in this awful situation. I know. I think that I just think it's so rare to be able to do that. And I, I know that people say, oh, it's Adam Driver's film. You're supposed to feel sorry for him. But it's like it's not for the first half of the film. It's it's actually a lot to do with Scarlett Johansson and to do with yeah. her like processing it and by the end like Adam Driver is the one who has like lost the most because he doesn't have a family his son mm-hmm. doesn't get to live with him in New York and there's a bunch of factors that go into it that make it seem like it's you know where was him at the end which it kind of is but like it's still sad because we've watched everything go on into that point and I think he doesn't make either one of them like an angel or a devil like yeah. it's just I think he balances it really really well and I don't I just think they're both so human and so realistic that I think it's hard to not like either of them and that's the thing they are so realistic something I noted actually was that um this is like the least Hollywood that Scarlett Johansson has ever looked in a film and I find that quite funny because she's playing an actor yeah so I and it was I love it though I and I love that I could talk for hours about the way that um, Hollywood presents beauty and all of these things and how it's <laughs> detrimental to the creative process, but um, I won't do that today. Um, but it's just, it was, I just found it quite interesting that she was so like, she just looked like a normal person 
the whole way through this film and mm-hmm. even like you know i know there's a there's that screenshot meme of her ugly crying it that's used a lot um but it's oh like yeah she's, again like would you not cry like that if you were going through this missing divorce like yeah it's like i her i am in awe of her in that moment when um she's in the office with her lawyer and she does that monologue that's like five minutes or something Mm. and it stays interesting that whole time i i hear every word that she's like i can tell you the story that she told me because i was listening whereas like it's so difficult to get someone to listen to someone for that long Mm -hmm. that is such a skill something i noticed with that was the way it was shot like it barely cuts there was like brief cuts to laura dern to get her reaction shot but Mm -hmm. pretty much the entire you know five minutes or however long it was was just following um her around and that's difficult as well as an actor yeah as both an actor and a director like that's such a challenge to to one memorize that because he's like Greta it's like no improv on his set like the the words are the words and you have to say what's said so to know Mm -hmm. every single word in that detail to feel it and not be feeling like you're thinking about the lines something I found quite cool was that um the the difference in the way that LA is presented compared to New York from everything from mm. like the color scheme to um, the way the characters spoke, which I suppose is, is pretty true. I, you know, New York has a very different vibe to, to LA. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was quite interesting seeing like even how they both dressed in, you know, Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Something with the costuming, like he was always in quite muted tones. And then once she was in LA, there was some, they, it wasn't like bright, but it was something slightly brighter about the way she was dressing. It was just something I noticed. Yeah, um, that's true, actually. And her which hair. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, her hair changing colour. I thought that was just all quite an interesting, like... I like little details like that where you can tell that the entire <clears throat> the entire team have sat there and gone, right, we are making this vision and we are going to do this, 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 this and this to really yeah. like tie it all together. And it did all tie together perfectly. I literally uh-huh. can't, I, I, there, is, there is nothing wrong with this film. <laughs> no, and I think the thing with that was also obviously like her whole thing was I didn't have a voice and I didn't know who I was and it's like the whole film is like her <laughs> becoming who she who she wants to be Mm -hmm. and like finding that part of herself yeah one of the bits that I do want to discuss um is Sondheim popping up oh it's so much sadder now I haven't seen it since he passed for those who don't know that I originally trained in musical theatre so I am a musical theatre nerd (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so when they started singing some Sondheim, I was like, excuse me? <laughs> was like, this film written right? just for me? This- <laughs> he wrote it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but on like a slightly geeky moment, I do want to discuss how those two song choices were so clever. <laughs> yeah, someone wrote an article about um, like the... The, how devastating it is to have used both of those songs mm. I'm not well versed in companies so I don't know too much but I loved I enjoyed it anyway 
saw Company in London when it was revived over here and it had um, the female Bobby. Um, mm. Company's not my favourite show of sometimes, but is, the music is undeniably amazing. And there's... Yeah. With having her, you know, Scarlett Johansson's character sing You Could Drive a Person Crazy with her family, um, and then having him sing Being Alive... I was just like, oh, you, this is so clever. <laughs> I was, like, oh I was like sobbing. Everyone was sobbing at that point. It's just so such a smart choice because Driving Person Crazy is like, she, you know, the end line is Bobby is my hobby and I'm giving him up. And I thought that encapsulated her entire thing with, yeah. um, the character's called Charlie, isn't it? I'm not making that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm going to say something embarrassing. Um, <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> but with like her relationship with Charlie, I thought that just completely encapsulated it because she spends most of the film talking about how she puts so much into their relationship, so much into supporting him that I think, yeah. you know, arguably he was her hobby. And then she gave him up. And the whole oh. thing with her singing that alongside her family as well was quite a nice yeah. little touch. Um, and then Being Alive, one of the best musical theatre songs ever written, in my opinion, um, <laughs> is with the way he sang it as well, just like a very raw, emotional, real. Um, mm. But just like, that's a song about, Bobby spent the entire show being like, I don't really want a relationship. I don't want what these people have. Like, that's that's not me. Or with this kind of like, there's like this whole idea of like time working against you the whole way mm-hmm. through the film, the whole way through the film, the whole way through the show. Um, and then it gets to the end of the show and he or she, depending on which production it is, um, realises that they kind of do want that. And, you know, the lyrics represent that, you know, someone to to hold you too close, all of those sorts of things. And I thought it was quite an interesting thing that the way that they've both come to terms with things, I feel like, I almost feel like he realised at the end of the film what he had. It's like, you don't know what you've got until yeah. it's gone. And it was like, oh, I had this this thing, this good thing, and then I kind of ruined it. And then, whereas hers is the opposite, she's like, I put too much into this and I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was yeah. so clever. I literally was losing my mind. Another, <laughs> another Stephen Sondheim song. I was literally like... <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Because when they sang the first song from Company, I was like, oh my god, hilarious. Oh, they sang a song from Company. And then they sang Be Alive, and I was like, <laughs> You were like, hold on a minute. I I like, my notes were, they were popping off. I was like, Sometime. <laughs> sometime. <laughs> a pen has never moved faster than. <laughs> so uh, i'm sorry for my little geeky moment there but no i love that thank you for explaining it because i i've not seen the show i've heard the songs um but like also with the the being alive moment i find it so interesting because he's obviously like with his company which is his family Mm. he doesn't have anyone he makes it like so clear throughout the film and it's like the first time he gets vulnerable in public Mm. because he does um to his lawyer but when Alan orders his lawyer and not Ray Liotta Mm. um and he like cries in that sidebar moment which is really beautiful but like this is the first time he does it in person but like he stops himself from going too far he like lets it 
show in his eyes but he doesn't really let it show in any other part of him but it's like oh I'm letting myself like open up to these people and this is like it's also like a recognition that it it really is over now instead of like because he's just talking about the settlement Mm. and then he sings that song and I think also at the end as well of it being like oh I had a good thing it's like oh now it's actually like that's actually a chapter that's closed now I thought it was quite interesting as well that he starts off the um the song being very like jokey like oh I'm here singing this sometime song huh? and then all of a sudden he keeps going yeah the, he just like has the, to, to get it out and I just you know because that again I, I have to admire Adam Driver because being that vulnerable particularly while singing because mm. like I sing but like it is it can be quite like um a vulnerable moment because there's so much that could go wrong you can crack you can get the the notes wrong there's it's not just like you're performing a speech there's like other layers to it so to then be able to do the emotion and be that vulnerable not even just in front like in terms of like the character moment but like you're going to be on a set with 50 people however many people holding lights boom mics and you've got to just kind of like commit to that I can't help but admire like the that ability to do that and not be sort of phased by it. Yeah, it's um I just and also because like from a directorial standpoint you have to really think about that cuz I'm only thinking about it cuz of um we're about to shoot our final bit of I love you guys and there's like a lot of singing. Mm. Um like to, to 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 kind of take that risk and like oh let him just sing live and we'll just record it and hope for the best is like for it to come out like that is really incredible Mm. (laughs) but I just thought it was like so being that well orchestrated and and like you said with the it being a vulnerability and I know that Noah Bornback likes to do a lot of takes Mm. so like he definitely did that at least 15 times probably mad and I wonder which like take he decided to go with yeah I just think that I mean it's just it's just amazing (laughs) (laughs) it's so hard to tell when I I didn't write a review of this because I was like there's nothing I can say about it other than go and watch it Mm. and you'll understand why it's so it's just I'm still figuring things out about it like watching it again just last night I hadn't watched it since April 2020 I think Mm. Um, I only remember that because I made like we did like it was my my birthdays in April and we did one of those family like my family watched it at home (laughs) thank you New York my family watched it at home and I watched it and then my sister watched it and I made everyone watch it at the same time and then we would like message about it for my birthday I was like this is your present to me you will watch marriage story (laughs) and I don't know it's just every time I watch it I'm like there's just so much going on in here that I don't think the world is ready for how perfect the film is yeah it's just it's not a flashy film it's like at you know the core of it is about this family it's so well written so well acted it's just great. I don't know. I can't even like, I'm trying, I'm struggling to put into words just how good it is. Yeah. It's just, it is just one of those things where it's like, 
when there's nothing to critique there's nothing that you can say that like adds any value to it because it's just like I don't know one of my favorite scenes which is a a funny scene but also like such a devastating scene is the um them being like when she serves him in the kitchen with the envelope Mm. uh weaver and him and I that scene I was wheezing the first time I watched it and it still makes me laugh so much today because of just how like they all live in this world and like mm-hmm. accept the comedy that's part of it. And Merritt Weaver like just, like walking in and out of the kitchen with the pie and like the orchestration in that scene. And she like comes in, she's like, I just get nervous. And I'm like, same girl, like I feel she you. She was so, I mean, she's amazing and does not get enough credit for how good of an actor no, she is. Absolutely. She is absolutely phenomenal in everything she does, but it was making me howl when she was, because obviously they're like, family of like performers and her mum's like yeah that's why you didn't audition well and And then like she's trying to be like it's not a performance like we're not doing a thing like I'm just trying to get divorced and she's like maybe you should play her and she's like what does that oh it's just the like lines going over and it's like capturing the family Mm. dynamic and it's like the mum is so eccentric and it's like yes like that is that makes sense and then like the weird like relationship between Charlie and her mum and I'm like it takes so much to like build that many relationships in a scene you've got a sister sister relationship mother daughter two mother daughter relationships then you bring Charlie into the scene you've got her kids in the next room you've got Charlie as a dad because the kid's in the toilet and he's getting rewarded for pooping (laughs) and like he's annoyed about it and I like there's so much going on here and it's ridiculous how much it worked like to be writing that many relationships at once and again those beats in it as well one of the bits that made me laugh was when he was like asking he was like what type of pie is that and she was like um pecan (laughs) pecan pecan and I was like (laughs) dead and then when he finds the envelope she takes it out of his hand you're served you're served Like, you're stop. being served this is uh, i don't know i don't, I don't <laughs> you're know getting a divorce <laughs> yeah because they're doing a british accent as well that was why i was like wheezing beforehand because he's like oh thank you lady what is this and then like picks up the envelope and she's like oh, it's just like a moment of panic from like this <laughs> i just thought like I think, oh yeah, I was just obsessed with her as a character as well. I was, you know, I sometimes I tr- I I've got a lot better at this, but I used to be really bad for like watching films, and I'd kind of be seeing the characters that I would want to play as an actor. No, that's that's fun. It is fun, and then sometimes you kind of get a bit depressed. You're like, oh, why, why, why <laughs> I, I could have done that. Why am I working now? I just kind of watch the film, but I was watching her, and I was like that's the type of part that I'd love to play that was just such a funny scene and it's so right we we're saying like it establishes so many relationships in like the space of like 10 minutes and it's just like oh yeah but yeah so funny because it's their first time with Merritt Weaver in the in the in the whole film isn't it yeah uh, it just it yeah. just made me laugh, I, and I don't know why. But the bit where the mum was just like, "This is why you never auditioned," well, just really <laughs> killed me off. Like so brutal, like just this, <laughs> this poor woman and being like, "This is why you're unsuccessful because you can't hand over an envelope to your brother-in-law <laughs> to say that he's getting a divorce." That's she the says reason. it with such sincerity as well. She's like, "This is the fact." Yeah, it is. 
you can't do this and then it's like becomes the critique on her like life and it's like hello I'm still trying to get a divorce here can we get back to the point and Merritt Weaver's just stood there like hold on a minute (laughs) yeah and then she finds out that she's still seeing her ex-boyfriend and she's like and stop seeing Jeff (laughs) you're still seeing Jeff (laughs) there's so many nuances though which is like in the wrong screenwriter's hands you just get lost and confused Mm. but you understand and you're like you're right why is she still seeing jeff and you're like why am i annoyed that she's seeing jeff who's jeff you and you like care about the right <laughs> characters as well given the moment yes. you feel annoyed for the very specific character that you're supposed to feel annoyed for at that moment and i was like yeah, yeah. why is she seeing jeff what and then all of a sudden we move on to the next thing and i'm like oh yeah we are literally talking about divorce here i've got you know i've got sidetracked sorry but that's the thing and it's like again that that kind of realistic approach to the way it's written it's mm-hmm. you're you're listening to um these characters and you're it's almost like you're just hearing a conversation um mm. as as you normally would in any um situation that you would you know having a conversation with your friends or your family members yeah. in real life and i think that's what makes it hit more it's similar to what's going on with adam driver in the dead don't die with his like taking the comedy seriously is like Noah Bornback has them deliver the comedy with such seriousness that it becomes funny mm. and it's like no one in that film thinks they're in a comedy in that moment it's actually a tragedy for them at that point because they're like I'm doing this wrong and I'm messing this up and this isn't funny like this is a divorce but we find it funny because it's like oh my gosh this is falling apart and actually I was wondering because Greta Gerwig was originally in the cast of this film and oh. then she got really successful with Ladybird and obviously couldn't do it anymore um and I was wondering if she was playing Nicole or if she was going to play Merritt Weaver's character. Hmm. I was like mentally I, trying to place her. I was like, because I, I feel like she was actually going to be. Well, that's what I thought. I was like, is she, would have she have played her? Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like that seems like a her character. Mm. But I genuinely feel like she was meant to be Nicole's role. Maybe. Because originally her and Adam Driver were the only two in the cast. And now they have a film coming out later this year where it is mm. the two of them the leads in a Noah Bornback film I'm excited excited yeah I don't know that anyway that was my side part of like I was wondering what like which role she was going to be in Noah if you're listening let us know let us know you can dm me on 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 twitter (laughs) I every single film of his that I've watched I've really enjoyed because they all have that very similar quality it's the same reason I enjoy Greta Gerwig's films they have that similar quality to them as well this just kind of you're diving into a particular moment in these people's lives and you'll see a snapshot of their of their life and then that's what you're seeing and that's kind of like what I love about it um yeah I just think he writes like real and it sounds so like silly because I know that he writes like a lot of screwball but he his it just seems like reality like he writes a lot of so so much of what he his characters just feel like you know them and it's Mm. what you said when we did our podcast about 20th century women was like you know they feel like friends Mm. or like you said that when you see Greta Gerwig like you feel like you're watching a friend and I feel like he just directs people who's like oh I know that person and I've heard them say and it's because he steals lines from like people in his life and puts them in his script which I think is terrifying Mm. as a director but also as a writer like I know that I've done it myself (laughs) but it's just like you you feel it feels like real life because it he really does pay attention 
and I feel like that's I don't know I feel like that's what um Adam Driver benefits from from his like life experiences like seeing I don't know he must like he's obviously seen a lot and lived a lot of life like you said drama schools love that life experience (laughs) yeah but I think that he he definitely seems like the type of actor who kind of is very observant is like a seems like a very observant actor who really um understands his the characters that he's playing he's not just doing it it's like he's it's kind of a cheesy thing to say but he's living it um it's just kind of like that but he he does have a real connection to whatever it is that he's saying I definitely think that Adam Driver's been very lucky in his career with the um stuff that he's got Mm. and this yeah I think this is kind of just like a little amazing little thing that he has in on his CV. Like, imagine doing having this movie as one of your <laughs> sort oh, of it's just such. And this is the thing: is when I saw it, I because Joker was playing Venice that same year, and it was a it was like a I think it was two days before I saw Joker. I saw Marriage Story, and I was like, that like I cannot imagine seeing a better performance mm. this year than. Um, than this that Adam Driver's and it's specifically Adam Driver's performance I think that was like one of the first thing I tweeted after I got out the screening was like if he doesn't win I don't like I can't tell you what that performance is that's going to beat him out of the best I just don't know what more he could it's what I feel about every single thing every single element in the film I don't know how it didn't sweep and I think maybe in a different year because like we were saying like 2019 was so stacked maybe in a different year like it would have I don't know, like, what the circumstances could have been where this swept, but I just really don't understand yeah. from every element. But only Laura Dern to walk away with an Oscar that night was actually well, so that's the wild. Thing. And it was such a stacked year. Like, it's actually, when I think about it, it, it almost makes me feel ill because it's <laughs> like to decide through because obviously Laura Dern, she, she beat out Scarlett Johansson in um, – Jojo Rabbit, she beat out Florence Pugh in Little Women. Yes. Um, And you're just sort of like these insane performances. So, and she obviously, Laura Dern deserved to win because she was amazing in that. But then, so did Mm -hmm. these other women. And then you've got the lead actor um, list. You have Saoirse Ronan in there as well. And like given the performance of a fucking lifetime in um, Little Women. And you're just like watching all of these things. And I do think that, you you know, all these films come, it, it, I almost feel like, who who decided to release all these films in the same year? Like, who sat there and went, do you know what? We're going to ruin everyone's lives and we're going <laughs> to release all these amazing films in one year because it's going to be impossible for them to pick. It's how I feel about this year's upcoming Oscars is mm. it's a joke. Like, I don't know where they're even going to begin to... This not to say that the last two years weren't because then mm. like that opens gateways for discourse of like well that's how a woman won best director two times in a row and it's like no because they actually made really incredible movies yeah but like I don't know that year just happened to be exceptionally like I, I think it's because like that race was like really unclear that year I don't think that acting race is ever wide open like I think that they all won all four major yeah. awards there was it was unf- it was actually unfair and I think it was really about who had the bigger budget to push their film that year and it happened to be Warner Brothers and mm. um, they dropped everything and that goes on to the other discourse of like not putting any energy behind Just Mercy and just leaving it while you put mm. all your money behind um, Joker was I really think it came down to a battle of studios playing money games because 
there's the whole thing of Netflix can't play the Academy game because they just like Apple TV beat them out this year <laughs> to winning a, be- a best picture. Mm. So yeah. it might be like politics behind it that because I think it was also I think that it's only recently that they still have the prejudice against streamers because I remember still they had to screen in cinemas. So Netflix bought the cinema here in New York called the Paris Theatre and now it only exclusively shows Netflix movies. Yeah, because I heard that, um, I haven't seen it yet, but um, that that new film, Good Luck to You, Leo Grande, (gasps) um, which I need to see because I know I'm going to love it. It's so good. You're going to love it so much. I mean, I love Emma Thompson with all my heart, so I'm going to love it anyway. You met her. You met her. I did meet her. I need to to do an episode about her because I did indeed meet and have a conversation with Emma Thompson. Um, And it was the best day of my life. Um, (laughs) uh, Incredible. I I did hear that um, that's not getting a a cinema release in the States and therefore won't be eligible for the Oscars. Mm Mm-mm. It's a joke. Which is mad because I've heard that that was, that a lot of people were originally putting that down as being an Oscar kind of frontrunner. It's an Oscar performance. Like she's incredible, both of them incredible, but specifically her. And it's actually, these politics games that they play with it is just, it's intentional because they want to keep the studio system alive. Yeah. And then it just makes things like when Netflix was coming along because it was when, um, Scorsese had signed the deal mm-hmm. with them I think that he was gonna kind of exclusively produce some films with them and I think Noah Baumbach did the same thing um because I think this film that he's doing now is a Netflix film as well mm. um so I think that that was the 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 Adam Driver downfall really was like you can't play with Warner Brothers money <laughs> one of the things I wrote like wrote down for this film like Adam Driver this is one of the most sensational performances I've ever seen in my life like mm. I've just it, was in complete awe and I just think he's incredible in this it's definitely the thing you know the best thing I've seen him do and I'm sure there'll be even more amazing things to happen in the future with him um Mm -hmm. and he will undoubtedly get an Oscar at some point but it's just a shame that it wasn't for this because it it I think it's also yeah yeah it really it's just one of those things where it was like it's exactly what you were saying about he's a he's a quiet performer and obviously mm-hmm. like against Joker they're two entirely and like obviously every performance is entirely different and you can't compare them but like these two could not be more polar opposite ends, mm-hmm. and the, and the films themselves are like complete opposite ends of the scale um because I made so many notes throughout I was like basically all of Adam Driver's like performances inside because he's never really often saying what he really feels. Mm-hmm. And it kind of comes to a head in the um, in the scene in the courtroom when their two lawyers are going at it and they're, like, not talking. Mm-hmm. And they're just sat there and it's all, like, changing between their faces and, and you have his face in the foreground and hers in the background and it's blurred. And then you switch to the other side and it's, like, the same thing. And then he'll do, like, the focus pull in and out of so you can see the other side's emotions. And, like... Their faces in that scene, both of them, are movies in themselves. Mm-hmm. Just w- You could just watch them do that for like an hour and a half and that would be a movie because they're like 
realizing because these things that it's it's like how we've watched the whole film and all of these like little moments between the two of them that we're like oh it's quite cute and endearing and like funny and it kind of adds the charm to the film and now like becoming weapons and it's like things that you would have had them relay to their um to their lawyers like about Mm -hmm. the car seat and about um charlie not showing up on time and about her slipping down the stairs and like these are all things that we've seen throughout the film now coming to a head and was like but they wouldn't do that to each other Mm. and I think that that's why that scene works in that place because it comes so late in the film and you can kind of be like oh we know that they wouldn't do that to each other because if it happened really early in the film then like you'd be like oh both of them are terrible people for Mm. like doing that to each other again I thought that was a really clever choice as well to show that the the lawyers weaponizing those things to really Mm -hmm. show how it's quite an unfair um scenario to be in unless there is like a a, you know a party that's done wrong (laughs) within the marriage um but it's like a very unfair situation to be in because these are little things and little mistakes that people make in everyday life and suddenly they're being used as an argument against their ability to look after a child yeah, well, um, we just watched them be such great parents for like they're wonderful parents in the whole film. They're, yeah. they're brilliant, and then you just see like, oh, the car seat wasn't put in properly, and it's like, how many parents yeah, have probably like the... have yeah. probably like struggled to put a car seat in? How many parents have had a couple of glasses of wine too many one night and um, tripped while walking? How you know all these different things? How many parents have been late? sometimes because of traffic or whatever and like the, yeah. the scenes with the woman who came to um oh my gosh the, <laughs> can I just say she that. is she is such a funny actor because she's have you watched, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Euphoria but she's no. in that um she plays um she's like one of the big drug dealers that Zendaya's <laughs> character um has to kind of like battle against um and she's that got that same monotone voice in euphoria as she does in this film where she's just like it was so funny to me this woman just watching them and the bit where um (coughs) charlie is like oh yeah i I do this thing where i like cut myself but i retract the knife and then he doesn't retract the knife and she's like you're bleeding and he's like oh i'm fine she's like like, no and she's just so monotone with it she's like are you sure you're all right okay um thank you I'm just like was it just made me laugh so much she's just watching they're eating dinner and he's like are you sure you don't want something no I'm fine thank you (laughs) what is going on that whole scene is like just another masterpiece of it it's like one of the ones that I like wait for every time Mm. I watch it I'm like oh it's coming and when he like puts the bag on her shoulder and she's leaning away yeah and then he like has to unlock the door like around her and like gets the blood on the door yeah and he's cut and it was just like again that kind of like I felt really sorry for him because he he couldn't be what he would normally be like because he felt like he had to do everything right and like but the thing is is what I really love about it is like they start that scene when he's like decorating his apartment and he gets his like production designer on the phone to like Mm -hmm guide him on how to set up the perfect house basically she's like put the plant in the corner put this there like he he's in this set Mm. and he's like performing yeah and you can feel it from him he's like aware that this is not his house 
he like some he doesn't know where like anything is in the cupboards yeah he's like picking things up and it's just it's like all of these tiny details that like Noah trusts his audiences with that we pick up on and it's like you can see how uncomfortable he is and then the one time he does this like trick wrong just happens to be the time that he's going to be judged on oh it's it's so heartbreaking but also so funny at the same time yeah but right the sun needs some words mm-hmm. because the sun made some things difficult that didn't need to be difficult <laughs> the sun was a problem child <laughs> also, well i mean fair fair because your parents are being chaotic but like did you really have to one when he wouldn't get in the car to go out with his dad for the day after he just flew like three thousand mm. miles to be with him and then afterwards when he like is carrying all the well to be fair that's also quite sad for him carrying all of charlie's bags and then he drops his burger and he's like i need a new burger but honestly same because i would i would say the same thing and then like oh no the thing that really breaks my heart is when he gets to the hotel um and then he's like, come on, like, we're going to go back out. And he's like, I'm tired. Mm. Oh, no, that literally, like, when he when Adam Driver gets up and he's got his Invisible Man costume on and he does yeah. the thing where he, like, flicks his jacket and, like, walks really, like, um, inwards. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he's always like, let's get ready to go. And the little boy's like, no. I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh I know, God. it's like a stab to the heart when he's like, oh, we're going to be Frankenstein and the Invisible Man. He's like, no, because I have I an expensive be- costume and that's better. I want to be and a ninja. Like, this a, not no no a store-bought ninja <laughs> a store-bought ninja oh my god but like that bit at the end as well where she does up his shoelaces so oh i thought you were gonna talk about the letter but yeah also the well, shoelaces. we're gonna talk about the letter in a minute the the shoelaces bit i was like they're still in the same pattern and it's so strange there was like a whole meme that year because she like did it the same thing in um jojo rabbit oh gotcha she did up the shoes so it was like we can't talk about shoes with jojo rabbit because that literally that ruined my life horrible actually ruined my life um incredible filmmaking but ruined my life (laughs) Yeah. yeah and then adam driver i mean the the thing that really like solidified the um sensational performance was him reading the letter I've, oh, I was sobbing. I like just thinking about it now. I'm like, no, it's a stab in the heart because it's also just another point of like him being vulnerable for the first time in front of both his child and in front of her. But he doesn't know that she's listening, and then and he realizes like, right. that what what he had and what she loved about him, and he's probably spent the heart the last year and a bit or whatever thinking that he's an awful person because his son's not really interested in in him anymore and he's losing out on all of these things i can only imagine that in that situation a person would be like i am clearly awful and then mm-hmm. he reads this letter and there's all these little things i think that's so true for human beings in general we we don't realize the small things that people love about us because we spend mm-hmm. so much of our time hyperfixated on any flaws that we have that we forget yeah. about the the tiny little things that people who actually appreciate us will look at and go, oh, I love that about you. And I just, it's just so, so good. Oh my God. And it's the fact that like before that, he's like looking at all the, pi- like <laughs> the pictures on the wall where he used to be and he's not in them anymore. Hmm. And like he meets her like new boyfriend downstairs and like the grandmother isn't as affectionate with him anymore and like Mm. 
he's like oh I'm like really in a different life now and then he goes in and reads that and I think it's like there's that bit in the argument scene where she is like uh you didn't love me as much as I loved you and he's like what's that got to do with it and oh that is so heartbreaking to like hear for her and then like he reads the letter and I think that's like oh like she really meant it like it wasn't just like a throwaway comment it was Mm. like she really felt that way and obviously like we got to know what they loved about each other but like oh no it's just Mm. I'm so glad that they they brought that in because that they really could have left it like the letters at the beginning and been like oh that that's like a device for the beginning Mm. um I don't know that just that whole scene is so so it's just like the perfect ending and then of course him being in the ghost costume at the end is just like actually devastating god you know there were certain moments where I was like if you were reading this as a play my English Mm. teachers would be going wild they would be going wild for that symbolism (laughs) they're like and what does the ghost represent it wouldn't be the ghost from Hamlet like I had to discuss in A level. No, we'd be talking about the ghost in marriage story. Oh my gosh! Imagine they should. It would work on stage. I don't know. Maybe the. I'm sure. No, I think it would. I actually do think it would work on stage. Yeah, I'm amazing. Interested. I mean, just one of the my favorite films that I've watched this year so far. So. I didn't know you hadn't seen it before. Yeah, I was. I kept that a secret until um, I was like, because I, oh, I was going to tell you beforehand. And I was like, no, I'm going to tell her while we're recording, <laughs> just just because I'm feeling chaotic. <laughs> so I would love to watch it for the first time again. That is such like a gift. Mm. Just to like, and now you need to watch it again and cry all over again. <laughs> Wait, give me one second to just <laughs> one second for Alan Order as as but I one of my favorite line readings in the film is when he says I wouldn't expect too much from that cat <laughs> his character was so funny to me when he was telling I that joke him. Was telling yes! that joke and then yes! Adam Driver's character's like am I paying for this joke and we never got to hear the punchline it really bothered me I was like but, I wanted to hear the end of the joke but Noah Bornback told the joke I think in an interview because everyone was like what's the joke and then I think he finished like the joke for him to find it so yeah you need to go find it but honestly I I love him in this film because he's just really when if everyone else is living in a different film he's not even in the same genre (laughs) like (laughs) he is minding his own business with his cat like having no idea what's going on trying his best what was funny was that I was so dedicated to this character that when he turned up with um the other lawyer Ray Liotta I was like hold on a minute I was like excuse me you can't hang on a did you just did you just fire him nah how dare you that was the only moment I hated Adam Driver's character I was like mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> you cannot be doing this bring <laughs> no I think Oh, but actually it does lead to one of the second greatest line readings of all time when he says he's a well-respected up-and-coming director of the avant-garde. <laughs> the avant-garde. Which is just like, so funny to think of him like coming up with that. 
like rehearsing it in his office like does that sound good yeah yeah okay so we'll do that because he has no idea it's so funny in the office when he stands there and he's like you're a director and then he just stares at him (laughs) he's like anything I've seen and he's like what have you seen (laughs) but that's so true for like creative people isn't it it's like I tell people I'm an actor and I'm like what have you been in I'm like you would not have seen me in anything unless you were paying close attention to the Sainsbury's Christmas advert in 2020 (laughs) saw my face pop up at the end you will not have seen me in anything i i now end that i'm like oh i'm an actor you won't have seen me in anything don't ask because i just don't (gasps) want the question jess shuts it down she's like don't even shut it down because they're gonna oh my god what have you done like my god amazing and then i have to explain that they won't have seen me in I'm, I've not been in EastEnders, hun. I'm sorry. Like, I think just... my nephew did that to me. He was like, "Can we watch one of your films?" I was like, uh, "No," but only because Soon. they're not age appropriate. I was like, "Maybe when you're like 15, we can, you know, you can have a go." But yeah. I, also, he would be like, "This is terrible because it's so not like a kid's fight." <laughs> so funny to me no, because I was thinking, I was like, "Who said that to me like recently?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, it was my nephew." <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to discuss marriage story-wise before we move Let on? Let me consult my notes. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say shout out to the flirty grip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> that was shout funny. out to that guy. <laughs> he shot, he was Why shooting is there shot. always a flirty grip? <laughs> um, yeah, amazing. Obsessed. I am actually a little bit obsessed with it. I understand your agenda now. I get it. I... It's just, I just, if I could ever, and I'm sure you feel the same, like, as an actor, just being like, if you're ever in a film that perfect, like, you could just stop your career. Mm. <laughs> because it's, like, enough to have made something that perfect. <sighs> one day. One day, We yes. will make a movie that perfect. Of Coming course. soon. Coming soon. Jess Coming and Billy. Coming soon. Um, at the Oscars. We are the next Sasha and Greta. We've got this. We've already planned this all out. So the Oscars just need to kind of get with the pro. I mean, we need to make the film first, but then the Oscars need to get with the program. We're, we're icons in the making, and everyone will listen don't, back to this. You worry. Listen back don't to this podcast, worry. and they'll be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> listen to them manifesting, manifesting their dream lives. Well, you know, you saw the Twitter advert earlier this year. Mm-hmm. It works. We got to do it. Tweet it. Tweet it into existence. That's what we're doing. Um, is there anyone else that you think I should discuss on this podcast? Oh my gosh, so many people. I wanted to do Vince Vaughn, but his top and least like were not my favourites of his. So mm. I was like, well, I have as much fun as I could talking about marriage story. Um, I think you should do Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. Bring you back for that one. Yeah, please don't do that without me because I'll be really angry. <laughs> I can't do that with anyone else. It's literally not. Yeah. It's not even possible. <laughs> And who else? Oh, do you know what? I would be really interested in Richard E. Grant. Oh, I haven't had that suggestion yet. And he's amazing. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy would be another good one. (gasps) Yes. I'm writing all these down just in case I forget. Question I have to ask because the the whole point of this podcast is we decide (laughs) which one we prefer. It's a really stupid question to ask, but which which movie of these two did you prefer? (laughs) It is obviously The Dead Don't Die. Clearly. No, I have really knows mm-hmm. that I'm a marriage story stan. It just can't. It's just so good, just too too good. 
to, to be compared to anything. It's not fair. Like, this is the thing is what you were saying about his performances at, like, and not even that like with it being rated 5.4 is not even that bad mm-hmm. but like with this film being the the like caliber that it is it's like incomparable to anything else yeah my favorite was indeed marriage story um so far in this podcast i've only had one episode where i've preferred the the bottom film so yeah i wait i was like wondering i was like i wonder if in the future there'll be ones where you prefer the other i think there will be more as we like progress through it's just that for the first few actors that i've discussed it's clearly been that the the people have got it right on imdb (laughs) they've got got it right um but yeah uh, definitely marriage story being my favorite um Mm -hmm. so i need to i'm gonna pull up my i've got a little spin the wheel moment reminiscent of um (gasps) annapurnaverse because oh we love a wheel because I did put out a poll asking people what they wanted to do, bet- um, who they wanted me to discuss between Dev Patel Ooh. and Margot Robbie, and, um, and none of you could make your minds up. It was our 50-50 Margot Robbie. So um, I had just a whole mixture of pe- things. So I've got a wheel to um, decide because I'm not making that decision. Um, but okay. in the meantime, while I pull this up, do you want to just tell everyone where they can find you, what you're up to? How they can support you? Oh no, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't bother. Just don't bother. No, my Twitter is at Billy Melissa underscore, and I'm just around doing many different things. Before I spin the wheel, um, as always, you can follow the podcast. We are Better Bad Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me. I am Jess Rolland on instagram and jess underscore roland on twitter um and now we will find out you get a little sneak preview billy finding out who we're gonna think i'm excited spin and by a hair's breath (laughs) it's dev patel you didn't you didn't win this time billy um it is dev patel so i'm just gonna do a quick little google to be fair though when i um when I clicked Margot Robbie, I didn't even read the second option. Then I read Dev Patel and I was like, oh, that would be really interesting, actually. Um, his top rated film um, is 2016's Lion, which has eight stars. I thought it would be. I thought it would be. Well, actually, it's a tie between Lion and Slumdog Millionaire. Both have eight stars. Um, oh. But I haven't seen Lion, so I'll probably watch that one. But I've seen Slumdog Millionaire. Lion is already. really good. Um, I seeing that. And then his bottom rated one is The Last Airbender, which is the live action um, version of the animated series. And it has four stars. Have you seen it? You've not seen either of them? I haven't seen either of them, no. So that's going to be exciting. So yes, I am on the hunt for a um, guest for that one. So if you're listening to this and you would love to talk about Dev Patel, then let me know. If not, it will just be me. I just want to thank everybody for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, it we may have the Tom Cruise episode pop in before the Dev Patel one, depending on what happens. We're just gonna kind of go with the flow with that. Um, but thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all again next time on Better Than Bad. Thank you. <laughs>